Well, after hearing that testimony, I don't really want to do anything. Just want to praise God, don't we? And I believe the same God that's in the Isle of Man is right here in Leeds. Paul and I were talking about the concept of the kingdom of God as we were coming up on, in the car. And uh, I remember reading Daniel. And whatever it seems like as we look out into the world through newspaper articles or if you go online or watch TV, it seems absolutely horrendous. But we have to take the more complete view of what the scripture tells us that at the end of time there'll only be one kingdom left standing yes. and we're investing into that kingdom right now these people that came to Christ have come into that kingdom and the kingdoms come into them there's a new dynamic of life within every person that comes into contact with Jesus Christ it's amazing and so your kingdom distributors as you're going into the east end of the city that's what's happening there's a river of life flowing from you and uh, you, you don't have to be a designated evangelist in order to do it the evangelist as you are sir is so important in the body of Christ Ephesians 4 tells us that their major function is to equip us so we go do it but the point is this just hearing that didn't it do something in your heart in my heart I thought I can do that <laughs> I can sing on the streets till they tell me to shut up and I remember Reinhard Bonker's testimony I heard it only in Halifax some years ago he used to say in Berlin he'd pick up his guitar and sing and a crowd would come and he'd put it down and preach and they'd all go away and he kept doing it and after two and a half years one man stayed and he got saved but it was his reaction that did it for me he said it works <laughs> for me I'd have thought this is hard work yeah praise God now well, let's read the scriptures a bit before I get carried away too much um, Paul Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God to the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace to you and peace we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ for we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake and you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Praise God. Well, I've got three words to uh, preach on, 
Um, you know, just to be proper, you have to have three, don't you? Yeah. Now I've got about half a dozen points to every one and then some side points to those. You know what it's like. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> but these people, in verse 9, it said they turned. Paul is commending these Thessalonians. They turned to God from idols. So the first point is this, they turned. Second one, to serve the living and true God. Third, whilst waiting for the blessed appearing of the Lord Jesus. So they were looking for something. They waited. That word waited means expectantly longing for. Like me on Christmas Eve, waiting for my next pair of socks. <laughs> Praise God. We'll come to that in a bit. Our first song this morning was, Lord, you're good to me. And this is just something that the Lord ran past me, so I'll, 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 I'll share it with you. Sometimes when the Lord's good to you, you don't like it. Because he says, no. Yeah. How in the wide world can that be good to me? Because God doesn't, I keep banging on about this, please forgive me, God is not thinking of us as just individuals. He's thinking of us as the body of Christ. He all, you read all through the letters of Paul and he speaks corporately about our faith. It's not so much about me, it's about us. I can't truly prosper unless you prosper. We can't prosper here in Leeds unless Isle of Man prospers. Because we're one body. We need one another. We need the different expressions of the Christ in each one. I cannot do what Mark does. That's why I'm not here. And he is. I was going through Chesterfield on Thursday. And I'd been meeting with a man. And... I was coming away from that meeting, I'd not got my car, I was walking, and I, I thought, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll see if McDonald's is any different to the last time I went, 25 years ago. <laughs> it isn't. So I got this hamburger, I'm walking through the town, and I saw this guy, and he saw my little bag, and he said, oh, I like them. I said, yeah, I know you do, so do I. And I walked about five paces back. And you know that Holy Ghost nudge? Takes about three ribs out. <laughs> so I went back. I said, here are you. You have that. He says, no, no, I can't. I said, yeah, you can. You like him. You've said so. Yeah. You must be mad. Yeah, have that. So I gave him this burger. And I realized God was, God was saying no to me. Why was that? I didn't need it. But he did. So it was yes for him, which was good for him, and no for me, which was good for me, because God was concerned about right. all of us. So in this move, there'll be times when you think, well, I don't like this bit. 
well, that might just be good for you to humble yourself. But it might be that somebody else is doing something and doing it is really good for them. Praise God. I'm going to share a prophetic word that we had as a church not long ago. This guy got up in the meeting and shouted, All aboard! And just so we got the message, he did it two more times. All aboard! <clears throat> Actually, it was a bit deeper. All aboard! Not better. <laughs> and then he went on this. God is calling you to serve. This is not a bus ride where you get on as a passenger and go to your destination and the only one doing anything is the driver. You're called to serve on a sailing vessel where every person on board is a member of the crew. Everyone has a specific function in order to get the whole vessel to its destination. I am not concerned primarily with you as individuals. I'm concerned with the whole church becoming what I've intended that she should be. So in this call of all aboard, I know some of our folk were thinking, well, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. And part of the problem has been what we've portrayed as church life over the years, and we needed to repent that it's these three or four up here that do it. And we cheer them on. But that's never been the concept of the church. It's never that in the Scriptures. I'll tell you what, and you just mention your name again. Ian. I bet Ian can bear this out, that when you have the privilege of being there with someone, get, when they give their life to the Lord, it's nearly as good as getting saved yourself. The buzz you get out of it, it's like being a spiritual midwife. Here's someone coming to birth. This is not a patched up life. The Bible says this is a new creation. The old, right in that very moment, has gone. And behold, the new has come. Paul's seen it. My friend at the back, he's, he's had more pastoral experience than, well, I said earlier, all of us put together. But there's nothing like that as a thrill, is there, Paul? When someone comes to Christ. Not only have they entered life forever... But the balance of power has been shifted because once they were in the devil's camp out here. But there's no halfway house, you see, is there? These Thessalonians had no halfway house. They turned from idols to God. Jesus was not a bolt-on. He was an either-or. Either you're with Him or you're with somebody else. And we're with Jesus, aren't we? Praise God. <clears throat> And I've seen so many people who continue in their old life and Jesus is a get out of jail card. As soon as they hit a, a problem, oh, we better pray. We'll get the pastor to come round and, and fix it for us. He's not an either or. He's God. And there is no other. So it's not an either or. So if, if that's you today, don't think you can just have Jesus as a bolt-on and live as you like. You can't. The only way to, to start this life, the old preachers used to say, you've got to come to the cross. 
He used to emphasize the S, cross. It's like somebody behind with a tambourine, isn't it? Gosh. You know what crosses for use for? They were used to kill people. So the first thing you have to do is die. Conversion's about a death of something so there can be a birth of something. It's not just some life tagged on to all this death stuff, no. <laughs> I remember my conversion on the 14th of March, 1973 at about 2 a.m. <laughs> and I sobbed my way into the kingdom <laughs> because you'll be surprised how mucky I was. <laughs> I mean, what a handsome debonair chap I am these days, glory to God. <laughs> you think I'm bad now, boy, I was bad then. But I forsook it. I left it there. Yes. I left it. I died to it. Yes. But I'm alive today by the grace of God. And I'm not going back. Now what they were doing, they were waiting for something. They were waiting. For, I'm missing the bit out in the middle because that's what we're going to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> but they were waiting for the coming of the Christ. He's made a promise, you know, that he's going to return. He's going to return in glory. And he's not, I, my theology on this is not that he's going to come and then build his kingdom. He's coming back to a kingdom that in the meantime you and I have worked with him in the power of the Spirit to bring into its fullness. The kingdom's already here. But the East End of Leeds are going to see an expression of it springing up that until this moment they have not seen. And it's going to come through ordinary people, crackpots. You know, we have this treasure in crackpots, jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power, that's people coming to Christ. That's people getting healed of their sicknesses and diseases. That's people getting released from demonic power, depressions and all this oppression of the evil one. People getting set free from all this garbage to live a new life. You see, we get challenged on that. I was told years ago that whatever you call yourself as a church, you get ch challenged on that. In Loughborough, with Rue Hulley, it's called King's Church. The challenge they've always had is the issue of authority. We're called New Life Church. So what are we challenged? How many folk are getting born again? Are you seeing new life? Well, praise God we are. And we're seeing it in all its stark reality. And we're on a bit of a learning curve. We're still on it. And it's extremely steep. And some of us feel like we're falling off. How do you deal with heroin addiction? How do you deal with folk that have been into this religious experience and so forth? Well, you do it with love and the grace of God. And you're open to people with expertise who can come and help you. You've not got to be proud and say, I know it all. Because we don't know it all. But we're finding that people are starting to come into freedom and they're getting set free from all that. And they're discovering that Jesus into Bolton, we're going to walk with Jesus. We've tried that other stuff and it's hurt us. It's damaged us. But we want to go with Jesus. Okay. But they were looking for him coming. What was it? Well, let me just read a little bit from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham... 
Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So by that two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement and to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath. We're covenant people. We didn't make this covenant with God. Jesus did it on our behalf. And the moment you believed, you came into that covenant. And the benefits are for you and for me. For all of us. Wonderful. But I'll tell you what, in these days of uncertainty, don't we need a hope? Don't we need the hope of His coming? And we're nearer today than we were yesterday. That's why Ian and his team and and whoever you are, it's so urgent that we reach out to people with this great gospel because he's not going to contend with men forever. He's coming again and he's not coming as saviour. He's coming as king and judge. And we've got work to do in in the interim. But it's it's not hard and onerous. Anybody burdened? Come to me and rest. And how do you rest? Take his yoke upon you. He's got some funny definitions of rest. The Lord. (laughs) What does that mean? It doesn't mean you carry his. It means you and he carry it together. We walk together. It's a yoke together. We yoked with Jesus. And he says his burden is easy or his yoke is easy and his burden is light it's not a difficult thing if we all do our bit but if we're only thinking just about our life it can get a bit tough but when we're in it together I love the beginnings of the church they were all together in one place in that upper room weren't they together together They were of one heart and mind. We're in this together. Win, lose, or draw, we're in it together. Whether Chesterfield get promoted or whether they don't, which is more likely, Chesterfield's in it together. (laughs) Except football supporters are not like that, are they? As soon as it gets tough, they walk. And so when the team really needs the support, they don't get any. Everybody's voted with the feet. We've paid to see better than this. Not a time for jumping ship. That's the time when we need the encouragement, when it's really tough going. That's when we need to stand with our brothers and sisters. That's why we in North Derbyshire are going to be praying for you in your move next week or the week week after next, isn't it? Why is that? Because we've got a vested interest in this city. I personally have. I have friends here in this very room. I want to see the kingdom come in its fullness. I want to hear of such an explosion of faith and the works that accompany faith 
that it gets on national news. Why shouldn't it? They report everything else. Anyway, the third point, which is the second one. Are you lost? The first one was, if you're going to be a real disciple, if you're really going to get into the nuts and bolts of this, you've got to turn from what was and turn to Jesus. Not bolt on, it's him. I'm following him. I'm following him. I've never backslidden, you know, by the grace of God in 42 years. But I've been close. I've been close. Particularly when my wife died. Very close. But what happened? The body of Christ came to me. I'm falling apart. I'm about to fall off this bike. And a stabilizer came in one side and a stabilizer came in another. And somebody got all at seat again so I could learn to ride this thing once more. And I discovered that the body of Christ was far bigger than I ever, ever dreamed. I'd got folk praying for us in Uganda. I've never been to Uganda. I don't know any. I do know somebody in, in Uganda now, and that's Keris Dufty. She's in Uganda teaching in a school. But up until then, I didn't know anybody in Uganda. People all around the world praying for our family, which God has gloriously rebuilt. But when I was at my weakest, whew, the body of Christ came in. That's what we're about. They served me. That's the main point of this. We serve. The model is the Christ himself. He said of himself, I came not to be served. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. We're here because he served the purpose of God and he served us. And he's still doing it today. Don't you know that this great person, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, this very day is praying for you and me. He intercedes continually for us. I reckon that you're going to be successful in the east end of this city because the one who lives forever, the God of all, is praying for you. I reckon his father's going to listen to him, don't you? Praise God. Jesus served. These Thessalonians didn't have a me-centered approach to life. They had a God-centered. They didn't see God. And I've just said that Jesus has served us. But the, the reciprocal is that we become his servants. We're not here for God to do everything according to our whim. Otherwise, I'd be driving a Mercedes. I've talked to him about it often. He doesn't seem to be listening. But perhaps he's blessing me with a no. <laughs> Susan once said to me I think it was a land cruiser back then how would you feel our congregation most of them have got most of the cars that you've worked on oh yeah they have haven't they and they're still going yeah, held together by bits of string and all sorts of stuff like that you know but to bodged up welding here and plenty of under seal so nobody can see yes. you've all done it how would you feel? Wouldn't you be embarrassed driving up in a brand new... Back then it was a Land Cruiser. I should be really embarrassed. I would. But I should get over it. 
Anyway, God knew better. I still haven't had a Land Cruiser or a Mercedes. Praise the Lord. But it says this in Psalm 110. And Psalm 110 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. And it says in verse 3, Your people will offer themselves freely in the day of your power. There are many believers today that think the day of His power really began on that first day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God was poured out on all flesh. Do you realize that the Spirit of God is already being poured out on the people that you're going to meet in the East End? There's a divine pincer movement going on. There's an outpouring of the Spirit on you, ready for a connection with the Spirit of God that's pouring out on them. What's He doing with you? He's equipping you, but it, what's He doing? He's opening hearts there for them to make contact. Because His Spirit of the Lord has been poured out on all flesh. So we sing, pour out, pour out, pour out your Spirit, O Lord. And He says, I am. It's a never-ending stream. He's continually pouring it out. I'll tell you what, it pours out through you. Didn't Jesus say, anybody thirsty, come to me, drink? And out of his belly will what? Flow rivers of living water. And it goes on to explain what he meant. He meant the Spirit, who had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We're not in that time. He has been glorified. The Spirit has been given. But in the day of his power, his people will be willing. They'll offer themselves freely. What's this for? It's about a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Crikey, Nepal's had a shaking, haven't they? And thank God that folk like you are concerned about people like that. What's that? That's a kingdom attitude. It's not living just for us. We're living for others that they might have relief, that they might be rescued. Jesus was concerned because of the crowd that had followed him all this time were hungry and there was no McDonald's, praise the Lord, back there. So he said, what we got, boys? And they've got a packed lunch. And he said, that'll do. That's interesting, isn't it? What you got as you go into the East End? What you got? That'll do, Jesus says. That'll do with me. I can work with that. Go into there with you. Well, I can only make tea. Well, make good tea then. Amen. Make good tea. And lots of it. And often. And supply it to someone that they're doing other stuff. But that's only making tea. Stop saying only. I make the tea. I heard of a guy, in, he was in a, a latrine. In fact, I had a bit of a Paul and I met at a different coffee house. It's our office. It's a movable feast like Easter, isn't it? <laughs> we were in Sainsbury's. And I said, I'll have to ask. Makaton's useful. That means toilet. I'm go- I just need to go to the toilet, you see, before we go. Anyway, I'm in there. I'm thinking, it's a bit strange, isn't it? I realise I'm at ladies. I know I've not got much of a beard, but I mean, that was stretching a point. <laughs> Praise God, nobody else was around. <laughs> Why don't they make these signs on the door a little bit more clear? I'm always wanting to blame somebody else. Have you noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Anyway, this chap, he was in, in, in this church building, and he was in the gents. And he, was, he thought he was on his own, but then he, there was this, like, shadowy figure in the corner. And he got a little bit, I mean, you know, this chap was just standing there. You think, well, what's he up to? And you sort of get tight, don't you? You know what I mean? You stiffen a little bit. Anyway, he sort of ventured a little glance at this chap. He said, well, I'm sorry, are you waiting to clean? He said, yes, sir. When you're finished, I'm going to clean the latrines. And this man said to the cleaner, he said, is this your job? He said, no, sir. It's my ministry. He had to wait six months to get on the waiting list in order to clean the latrines. This chap who was visiting, he said, I need to talk to your pastor because I need to see if he'll come to our church and teach the people on service. That was his ministry. The word ministry only means service, you know. Now then, as we read Romans 12 and we read... 1 Corinthians 12, we talk about marvelous spiritual gifts and different ways we can serve. And of course, Ephesians 4 lists those wonderful gifts that are people, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the the result is we all come to the full stature of Christ. I mean, it's an amazing passage. We tend to get stuck on, well, am am I a pastor or a prophet? What am I? Who cares? We all come to maturity in Christ. That's what we're after. But the point is, we've labored on those gifts. And I believe that God wants every single person to have a full toolkit. So that, if you... That's my half hour up. It lies. So if we're in a in a situation like Ian was the other day and somebody can't see out of an eye and needs the gift of healing to flow then that's the bit of, that's the tool out the toolkit that needs to flow or it might be that someone needs a word of encouragement and a prophetic word might be the tool that you need to flow but we've majored on those And so we get situations like this. You might get it in the East End there. I hope not. Now, Paul's car's broken down. Give me a a shove. I'm a prophet. That's not what I do. My service in the kingdom is is to prophesy. Encourage people to prophesy. Don't be ridiculous, man. Give the car a shove. There's this wonderful word of ministry. Four-letter word, I'm going to tell you now. It's called help. And when you're in this new situation, it's a golden opportunity to be really spiritual and go and help someone. It might not be your gifting. I don't believe that Timothy was an evangelist, but Paul encouraged him to do the work of an evangelist. In other words, help out. Well, I I can't make as good cups of tea as Catherine. Well, have a go. Help out. She's not very well today and couldn't come. You help out. 
And don't wait till you're asked. Go looking. See where you can help. You might just discover more of a spiritual gift in the process of helping somebody else than if you sat in 10 meetings where they're teaching on spiritual gift. It might just find, if I'm helping, whoa, I was made for this. I never realized I could do this. You might be a great children's worker. You've never done it before. Then one day you say, would you mind giving us a hand? So you go into it and you think, whoa, I didn't realize it was as fab as this. Amazing. Help. It's a great word, a spiritual word, to be a helper. There are only two people in Scripture referred to as helpers. Wives, one lot. And I once heard a woman said, what's it God calling me helper of my husband? That's really demeaning. I said, why is it? Well, it makes him top dog and I'm an underling. I said, no, 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 no. I said, there's only one other person that's referred to as the helper and that's the Lord. The Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? I said, come on, to be a helper is not in any way demeaning. It's a title. What is your ministry? I help. Whatever you do, don't put an H on it. Help. I help. What do you help? Whoever needs help. Help. There'll be much help needed in this new venture. I just want to finish with, I'll not read the scripture, but in 2 Samuel 23, there's a list of David's mighty men. And the second one referred to is a man called Eleazar. And they were fighting against the Philistines, and it says this, Israel withdrew. So at best... Eleazar was with David and the other two of the mighty men. So in other words, the best he had was four of them. The worst case scenario, which I believe it was, he was on his own. And he took his stand in this field and he fought until the sword froze to his hand. He couldn't let go of it. He fought while ever there was something to fight. And the scripture says in verse 10, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And then it says this, Israel returned to strip the dead. I don't know about you. I don't want to be like all Israel. I want to be like Eliezer. I want to be in making this happen rather than benefiting from it happening. But the thing is this, when they returned to strip the dead, they were not denied the spoils. If you read in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30 about the taking of Ziklag and then the people going to get the stuff back, there were a number of people who were too exhausted and stayed and guarded the stuff that they already had. 
And some, wor- it said, worthless fellows, after David and his army had had the victory, they said, they're not getting anything except their own family back. That's all they're having. And David said, not so. Those who stay with the equipment shall have equal share in those that went to gain it. And he made it an ordinance in Israel from that day to this. But I'm saying, there's something in me that wants to be part of it. I want to be involved with God in it. Praise God, because I've received blessings of things I was not involved with in church. Those that have gone before me. We're all recipients of stuff that we've not worked for. Even Jesus in John 4 says, others have labored and you've entered into their labor. What does that mean? It says, they did the work, you've gained the harvest. You'll do some planting and others will gain the harvest that you've planted. So what's that? It's multi-generational. It continues, it continues. But as for me and my house, we want to be Eleazar's. We want our hand frozen to the sword. We're going to keep going. That's a decision I've taken. I pray that you will too. God's got great things for you. But it'll cost you. But I know a people that's willing to pay because we're in it together. If it were just one on his own, it can't be done. Mark can't do it. John, I know John's not here today. He keeps telling me every time you're up, I'm going somewhere else. But anyway. <laughs> but he did. They can't do it. The leadership team here on their own can't do it. We're in it together. Helping one another. Start stepping up into your gifts. Have a go at something. You might just be su- surprised at how much you enjoy something. Okay? Well, my time's way, way past what I've been allotted, as usual. So, Father, we give you thanks today because we believe this new venture is not our choice. It's your direction. And so, Father, we give you thanks because when you direct something, we know that you're investing yourself into it. And so, Father, we pray for this East End Park area that salvation will come to that part of the city and that from that city it will join hands with others who are laboring in other parts of the city and the whole of Leeds shall come into a revival in the things of God. Father, we pray for that. We long for that. We want to be part of it. Grant, Father, that even when it gets tough and when the storm seems to hit, we'll remember what you've called us to and we, we remember that you're in the boat with us and we'll not quit. We'll just keep pressing on and trusting you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love. love.